Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. John Wayne Gacy. Just hearing the name may conjure up images of a smiling and wide-eyed man sporting clown makeup, wearing a red nose, and holding an even brighter red balloon. And at first it may seem like fun and games, but let me assure you, listener, that today's story is no laughing matter. In fact, this killer clown claimed at least 33 victims. That's certainly no small feat. But the really twisted part of the story lies in the crawl space under Gacy's home. So brace yourself, dear friends, as we start to unearth the sick and morbid life of America's killer clown. Welcome to Talk About Greeting Cards. (laughs) This is John. Today we're going to be talking about some great greeting cards. What was the, oh, 500 Days of Summer. Did you ever see that movie? Once. Oh, I love that movie. And he writes greeting cards, doesn't he? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure I was thinking that Kansas City was the Hallmark capital, but I think that's actually Russell Stover, which is not Hallmark. But they sell Russell Stover candies at CVS where you can buy greeting cards. That was a good connection there. there. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent work. They also work. sell them in every other establishment in America. Which, Hallmark cards or Russell Stover? Hallmark. Both. Both, really. What is your favorite color bow, Russell Stover? Bow? Oh, I don't know. I like the teal one. It has the <laughs> cream. Oh. Cream oh, you flavors. like the, the fruit, fruit cream? Fruity cream. I also like chocolate. You like the fruit cream? Yeah. Nobody likes the fruit cream. That's perfect. Oh. That means we can enjoy a Russell Stover box and not be fighting over the same chocolates. Well, I also like the chocolate-filled ones. I like those, too. The truffles. I'm a big truffle Yeah, the truffles. Although I'm not a, in general, huge on Russell Stover. I mean, it's good. I think Whitman's is better. Then there's Godiva. And then there's Ghirardelli. Newhouse. Newhouse. Which I back from belgium oh yeah those are good all right guys before we get started i want to give a shout out to some of our members for providing some good commenting on the blog so if you want to learn all about witches and witchcraft and how to become a witch or a warlock which is the male version of a witch you can go to the shanda sharer post the episode that we did about the witchcraft and grace has provided a lot of links and a lot of things about how to become a witch. Cool. That witch. I didn't know. It does. It is Grace practicing as a witch? Uh, yeah. All right. Becoming a witch is a truly an individualized path with more than one way to achieve it. Self-taught, like me, witches read, research, and follow their intuition. Hereditary witches are born into it. Maybe Hereditary. she's born with it. Maybe, Maybe it's Maybelline. Oh no no! Hereditary means like. You're not you're not born with the gene, the witch gene. You're just like your mom's a witch. So you're a witch. Right. Yeah. Typically um, hereditary does mean genetic, but in this case it means like it's just passed down. Oh, cool. Joining an organization like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and training with them. Did you say Dong? Dawn. Dong. Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> okay. Dawn like dawn, the sunrise. Dawn. 
like the sunrise. Dawn. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't sound like you're saying. What? That. What are you saying? Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> I am eclectic, meaning I pull from many traditions, mostly green kitchen and self. Well, green. Maybe she meant Greek. No, oh. I think she meant green. Yeah, Maybe? like the like the earth witches. Oh, earth witch. I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm actually um, not. I'm going to retract retract to that comment. Um, solitary, meaning I have no coven. 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 Oh, she's by herself. I have no coven. coven. I pra- coven. Or I have no coven. I practice mainly alone. Also, Rachel also commented. She says that Melinda, Melinda mm-hmm. was the main. Yeah. Not witch. Loveless. Melinda well, Loveless. Yeah, yeah she, she was, wasn't a witch, per se. The other one was a witch. But she was the... Regina uh, George. She, she was, was a mean girl. Yeah. You're a mean girl. So she is actually due to be released September 9th this year. Whoa. I did not know that. Thank you, Rachel. That is pretty alarming. Actually, no, I think... She's I think the one that trains changed. the dogs. Yeah, I think she's good. But... I don't know. She also says, how it could one murder. ever be sorry enough for this crime? I don't know, Rachel. I'm like on the fence whether she should get out or not. I, it's not like a Gypsy Rose. I know Gypsy Rose should be free. But this girl, I'm like, uh, maybe she's served enough time. I don't know. So also, big shout out to Mr. Wayne. Hey, Wayne. For posting a seriously effed up story about this Arizona lab that has been sewing body parts together. Uh, what? The headline graphic. FBI found bucket of heads, Ew. arms and legs, bodies sewn together at Arizona body donation facility. So the people were already dead. It's like when your aunt or uncle dies. Well, I don't know why I went straight to the aunt and uncle. But if, if a relative uh, dies of yours and you donate their body to science. They're sewing body parts yeah. up? So they, the FBI How raided science? this place. And they were, because it was like a black market uh, selling livers and hearts and all kinds of shit what i've researched but as a side project they were literally making frankensteins out of so one torso would have like an arm of one person and an arm of another person maybe the leg of one person that's legit out of a horror story yeah and he also said they found a cooler filled with male genitalia A bucket of heads and arms and legs, infected head actually, and a small woman's head sewn onto a large male torso. Oh my god, hanging up on the wall. Do they have pictures? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't want to see pictures Holy of that. Holy shit. The lawsuit, so there's a lawsuit. Go to, um, who's you know doing this? The lawsuit also says that bodies were cut up with chainsaws and bandsaws. And pools of human blood and bodily fluids were found on the floor of the freezer. Oh, no. The owner, Stephen Gore. Oh, my God. His last name is Gore. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's quite the self-fulfilling prophecy. He pleaded guilty to illegal control of an enterprise. He was sentenced to one year of deferred jail time and four years of probation. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> this kind of makes me question my choice to be an organ donor. It, it does, but it doesn't. Like I, Same, I mean, you're already dead anyway. You know what I'm saying? At least you're not donate. You don't donate your body to science. No, I no. do want to say if you have the organ donor on your license, you need to take it off. And I'll tell you why. Okay, I said this previously, uh, but now it may be a myth. Someone it's can a myth. Disprove. Well, how do you know that? Because yeah, I, know. I may think it's a myth, but I still ain't gonna be an organ donor just because you think it's a myth. 
It's a myth. All right. Here's the story. If you're an organ donor and you're in a bad car accident, the EMTs will look at your license and see if you're an organ donor or not. If you're not an organ donor, they'll try harder to save your life. That is a theory. I'm not saying it's true or not true. I'm just saying even if you do prove it to me, I'm still ain't becoming an organ donor because I don't want to have to think about that if I get in a car wreck. I just don't want them to take my eyes. That's the one thing that I don't want them to take. They can have everything else. They probably Mm. won't want my liver. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they may want it, and they'd sew it together (laughs) on someone else's. Uh, God, there's still a little bit of of good that's left there. Uh, We'll see. So the main point of this whole rant is this world is seriously fucked. That it is, John. That it is. So tonight, our hint was sump pump. The color of this, you're not going to like the color of this once you hear this episode. Okay. So it's like a very bright green cocktail. And the cocktail is called the Plumber's Companion uh, because it's actually a drink about Yoshi, for Yoshi oh, from Mario. Cool. <laughs> well, Yoshi's the green uh, dinosaur, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that lays the eggs. Mm-hmm. Yoshi is actually a girl. Really? Bullshit. I don't believe it. How do you, how can you tell? Because he doesn't have a swinging penis? <laughs> because, is that how you tell? <laughs> because male dinosaurs don't lay eggs. Oh, shit. Oh, That's well, a that good makes point. sense. <laughs> That's actually logical. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that would actually be really weird if it wasn't a female, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and logic strikes back. Okay, so this is. Just like Tweety Bird, it's a boy. All right, so this has this um, sour apple, yeah, it's really good. Midori, apple juice, and lime. It kind of almost tastes like a Jolly Rancher. Yeah. Does anybody out there try these drinks? If you do, send they us some do. pictures. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. For those I mean, of I, you who don't know, Jen does this live. And speaking of live, we've got another show scheduled. That's right. September 17th for all of our favorite Charlestonians. Not West Virginia. So yes. be sure you show up to the right state. Yeah. Charleston, South Carolina live show is almost sold out. By the time you hear this, you may be able to sneak one ticket. Yeah, left. So get on it's tight. our Facebook. If you're in Charleston, you're missing out. Depending on how quickly the tickets go out. I mean, tickets have only been on sale two days and they're already almost gone um, as of right now. So maybe we'll try to squeeze in another show this year in Charleston, but no promises. If, for those who are in the low country though our next planned city destination is savannah so stay tuned for details on that in october so if you're relatively close don't feel like you have to make a two-hour drive we'll come to you so the charleston shows at frothy beard brewery and that is in west ashley so they're an awesome Awesome brewery, and it has one of John's favorite beers, the Andale Beard, which is a jalapeno Jalapeno cilantro. beer. Delicious. It's also one of my yeah. favorites. Plus, they got a really good pizza place there. Yeah, right in the Zombie brewery. Bob's. Yeah. Oh, You know, that wasn't the worst. No, that was much better than I thought it was going to be. I actually really liked that. Really? And that's funny, because when I was pouring them, I said, Nicole, you're definitely not going to like this one. I know. 
Cherry whiskey. Yes. Oh my god, that was good. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever This is it. Bird Dog Black Cherry Flavored Whiskey. I like that. Yeah, Bird Dog. That sounds yeah. like a southern name, Jim. Where's that from? This I guess. Is... Let me guess. Tennessee. That's my guess. Wrong. Tennessee. Damn this it. is an eighty proof Kentucky. whiskey from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Woo! I get. Uh, whatever. Uh, Three Springs <clears throat> Bottling Company. Three Springs. I think we need to get a bottle of this. That from was Six good. Mile. Yeah, this yeah. is bad. Bird good. Dog. You guys want some more? Yeah. Uh, round two for us tonight for the shooters because it's a Sunday and and fuck I do work not tomorrow. want to go to work and I'm about to have a really terrible week tonight. The hint was sump pump. The two word hint. Jen, what's a sump pump? It's something that you use to like suck the water out of a basement. Very good, Jen. Oh, so, I thought it had to do with plumbing. Like, it like, is, a, like, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. like the drink's a, good. Because it's pretty accurate. Well, I thought it was like um, when you're sewer. When I you have sent like you the Wikipedia link. <laughs> I didn't read it. I literally <laughs> sent you a link. You didn't send me a link. Yes, I, I did. Thought, I think he did, but I, I didn't. Oh realize yes, you it did with the link. picture. Sorry, I thought it was just a picture. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't realize that this was requi- required reading before the show. Yes. So um, please don't pop quiz me. So Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing? I think we're going to the Midwest tonight. Mm, good call. Okay. Um, before I say where, I'm going to say the killer is a plumber. Although now I'm not sure if that's accurate. I already have my guess, drink. so you can't change yours. Okay. So the, ki- the killer is a plumber who go t- makes a house call to a single mother who needed her, apparently her basement drained. I don't know. That's a thing. But the killer, the the killer plumber, killed the mom, and he kills other people who he does plumbing work for. Okay, I can see that. This takes place, say nineteen ninety six, and I'm going to go with Illinois today. Illinois, go ahead, Jen. Okay, so I think that we're going to end up finding bodies. In a flooded basement after someone uses Ooh. a sump pump. And Clever. I th- I know we're not going to Charleston because we don't have basements here. True. So I'm going to say West Virginia 1984. All right. Those were guesses. <laughs> You're so mean to us. <laughs> we try. Okay. They were guesses. What do you mean to say? All we right. Don't. The... Uh, the young man that you are seeing on the screen right now. And guys, if you're new here, welcome. But I put my sources I used and some pictures, depending on the episode, on talkmurder.com. So go to talkmurder.com. I didn't want to say this, but Nicole, you're right. We're going to Illinois. Woo! <laughs> did, I, did I get the second part right? I, I didn't really listen. The killer's a plumber. No, you didn't get it right. Was I right? I didn't really listen. I'm used to that. <laughs> All right, we're going to December 11th, 1978. Ooh. And we're going to Illinois tonight. We're going to around the Chicago area. All right. All right. Excellent pizza. This is Rob Pice. Now, Rob Pice was a teenager, and he was working at this place called... Uh, Neeson's Pharmacy is not there anymore. It's now a um, 
I think just a gas station or something. Very close family growing up. Very close. Now, this was December 11th. Very cold. In fact, the oh, next yeah. winter coming up was the coldest in Chicago ever. They get like, I don't know, a lot of snow, I guess. That happens a lot. I'm in the South. I don't know anything about that. But he's working for basically at the time under minimum wage, like two bucks an hour. I mean, this was in 78. So, so maybe it was minimum maybe, wage. Maybe it was minimum wage, yeah. He actually just asked the manager, the uh, the owner of the pharmacy, for a raise and was denied because he's like, just bide your time. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the raises here the first of the year, you know, not before Christmas or anything. Maybe he'll get a Christmas bonus. Yeah, that's, that's nice. kind of what he was expecting. Yeah. And the reason he's wearing that Wrangler shirt you're seeing is because he wanted a Jeep. And as a Jeep owner, I can definitely understand why he wanted to buy a. A Jeep, you know, with his own money because him and his girlfriend just broke up. It was his first serious girlfriend in high school. They broke up. He's heartbroken. But now he thinks he can move on with some new wheels. And that's usually the case. If your girlfriend or boyfriend dumps you, if your wife leaves you, you just go buy a new car. And eventually you'll get over it. Thanks for the lesson, John. (laughs) This has been life advice from John Perry. The more you know. (laughs) I've thought about getting a Jeep. I'm conflicted. On what? Well, I really do love my Volvo. But if I ever got a new car, I couldn't get a brand new Volvo because that's, like, way too expensive. I also probably couldn't afford a new Jeep. But, like, I could get a newer Jeep than a newer Volvo. I wouldn't buy a Volvo because it sounds a lot like vulva. That means vagina. No, it doesn't mean vagina. It's (sighs) part of the vagina. All right, so this is Rob Peist. He's trying to buy a new Jeep. But he can't do it working at Neeson's Pharmacy. This is going to come into play because he talks to someone that night that comes in to the pharmacy. He's kind of late at night. His mom's actually already waiting outside to pick him up. Now, if he had his own Jeep, if he had his own wheels, then he wouldn't need his mom to pick him up. But she didn't mind because, like I said, they're really unnaturally close as a family. And I feel like all of our listeners... keep saying unnaturally close. Because I read this story and it's like... They're just like the happiest family. Are they not just a family. happy family? No, it's different. I just feel like there's some foreshadowing in that. I don't know. No, I don't know. There's no. It didn't seem like there was any bickering, anything. It just seemed like an all-American family. I don't know. Okay. I can't explain it because okay. I, didn't, Got you know, it. I come from a good family, but not like a close family. Like, oh, let's read each other's diaries. I don't know. My sister always used to steal my diary and made fun of me for it. And I'm pretty sure, like, recently I was, well, not recently, but when I was moving to South Carolina, I found an old diary, and I was like, oh, Juliet, look at how stupid this is. And she literally, like, screenshotted a whole bunch and, like, sent it to her friends, probably. (gasps) That's so mean! No, I don't think she sent it out, but she definitely was making fun of me for what I wrote, and I was just like... Everyone was stupid when they were kids. Can I have Everyone the, said Do you have the diary here? Things. No, but my very first diary had dinosaurs on it. I was going to take pictures of it and post it all over online. I still haven't. I still <laughs> have yet to post a picture of my uh, bowl cut, by the way. All righty then. So this is, like I said, Rob Peist. He goes to work, Neeson's Pharmacy. He just got turned down for his raise that he offered to get paid more. A guy comes in. He's a contractor. He does... Plumbing. Not plumbing, but mm. kind of like remodeling. He owns his own contracting business called PDM right. uh, PDM Contracting Corporation. A contractor comes in, and he's looking at shelf spacing. 
because Neeson's is thinking about remodeling, right? Their business is growing. They're selling a lot of drugs. And by drugs, I mean pills. Ice cream. And ice cream, yeah. I guess pharmacies back then used to sell ice cream. I can imagine those two little stools, you know, at we the bar. used to have a really cute pharmacy in my neighborhood, and then it was a Chinese buffet. And that was suspiciously... <laughs> <laughs> They closed down and it got turned into a Chinese buffet and yeah. that recently closed down a couple of years ago. I too. feel like Chinese buffets can work anywhere. There's this one restaurant I'll show you on where we're at home. It has been open for probably 20 years, but no one is ever in the parking lot. It's very sketchy. It's hmm. probably a drug front. It's very probably. sketchy. Well, give me the address and we'll find out. A contractor comes in and just kind of bullshitting with the owner. And looking at the shelves, he spends about an hour looking at the shelving, seeing how he can rearrange the pharmacy, kind of getting an estimate, stuff like that. And he actually offhandedly looks at Rob. Now, Rob has just got denied for his, his raise, so he's kind of pissed. He's stocking the shelves, putting a Vicodin on the shelves, popping a few. And then this guy looks over and says, hey, how much you get paid here? I pay you even more. The contractor leaves his appointment book there. And as you'll see in the story, this guy needs his appointment book. Seriously. This guy owns six companies. Wow. Um, all right. I'm not saying he's a killer, but... Oh, I, I was going to say, why? He's got a lot of bodies, murders to What kind out. of companies do, does he have? I know the PDM contracting, so it's like general contracting. I think he's sub, sub uh, hires co- contractors, so he kind of is the middleman. And I know he's got a snow plowing business. And I'm not sure the rest, honestly, but I know those two for sure. Okay. Okay. But he could just be bullshitting. I don't know. Anyway, this he's, he's really well known around town, but I'll get into that. So he comes in, but he leaves. He forgets his appointment book. So he comes back to Neeson's pharmacy. Now, this is at closing time, about 10 o'clock, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. The mother drives up because she's about to pick up her son. It's actually her birthday today. Oh. And they're waiting, like I said, as a close-knit family, they're waiting on Rob to finish his shift so they can go home and eat the cake. The cake's already out. It's got her happy birthday mom on it. The knife is right there on the table, ready to be cut. 9.30 comes. He's about ready to get off the shift. His mom comes to the door. You know, you about ready, baby? You about ready, baby boy? Mom, hold on a minute. There's this guy that wants to talk to me about doing a job. I don't know what he has in mind, but I'm going to go outside and talk to him real quick. Okay, honey, I'll be in the car. You know, because it's fucking freezing, so she's in the car. Right. Ten minutes go by, and she's still out there waiting. Twenty minutes go by, same thing. Thirty minutes, still no Rob. Now, he was just supposed to be right out the door talking to some guy, and now he's, like, not even in there. She goes back into Neeson's pharmacy, and they're about to close the doors. Where the hell is my son? Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the contractor gave him a ride home or something. Which would be weird. Yeah, but right? she goes home, and the whole family's shocked because the mother walks in. She goes home. The mother walks in without Rob. They're supposed to be celebrating the birthday, and right. he ain't there. The whole family's like, "Wait, what the fuck?" Right? Because they're super close. So yeah, that's weird. Well, it's super close, and Rob is the center of the family. So okay. he's this all-American boy, athletic. Blind, good looking, and I know I'm describing myself in high school, but just bear with me. 
but... I was going to say, he looks like he has brown hair. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the middle of the family. Everything revolves around him, but he ain't selfish. He's actually a very good kid. You know, he like straight A's. He's got his whole life going for him. He's He'd probably grow up to be some sort of, I don't know, like CPA or something. He's not a delinquent, like I'm saying. He's not going to grow up and start a yeah, murder podcast. Okay. <laughs> That's not what he's going to yeah, do. <laughs> yeah. He's making good life choices. <laughs> good life choices. Yes. So he doesn't come in with the mom and they immediately get worried because this isn't Rob. Okay. <laughs> Number one, you were picking him up. Number two, Rob, he knows it's your birthday. This ain't Rob. This is not Rob. Okay. They go to the sheriff's station. They tell him, just wait 24 hours. That's a window. Because if he ran away, maybe, you know, his girlfriend just broke up with him. He's heartbroken. He just got turned down for the raise. Maybe he'll run away. Very unlikely. Right. But the cops still wait 24 hours. And a lot of people say, ah, fuck these cops. They should just know. Well, you have thousands and thousands of teenagers running away year and and like 80 percent come back the next day so just wait 24 hours well they didn't want to and because they knew their son so they go and do their own search mm-hmm. the first thing they do is try to figure out who this contractor was All right, right right they go up to neeson's pharmacy they talk to the owner and said who is this contractor who is this guy right okay did they know yeah, he's good friends with a guy. Oh. He's like, no, if he went out to talk to him, he's good. He's the sweetest guy ever. No problems with that. I mean, must he must he must have got lost or something. I mean, I don't know. It's not this contractor. He's a great guy. I knew John Gacy. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> I've, I've yes. known John Gacy for years. It's not John Gacy. He's a good guy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. He goes oh. out and talks to John Wayne Gacy, and he never comes back. Just goes to show, I really don't know a lot about a lot of stories. I thought he was into, like, young kids. Young boys? This is a young boy. He's a teenage boy. This I know. 16-year-old boy. Well, I thought, like, younger. Like, pet- more. Oh, no, I no, mean, no. technically, yes, that's much younger than he is. But I thought it was, like, children. So I spent quite a few days diving into Mr. Gacy's life. Oh, no. We're going to start looking at pictures of clowns. Ah! He is the killer clown. Oh, no. Pogo. Oh, no. Chuckle. No. No, we talked about this last time. You thought it was Chuckles, (laughs) and it's really Pogo. Well, he has two clown personas, Pogo, which is one, and Patches, which is the other. And... I'm going to go ahead and give you the taco challenge, even though I was going to save it to last. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now. Now, you can look this up because you probably won't even find it there. And if you know it or if you want to take a, a stab at it, the uh-huh. answer, uh-huh. you can call the, the voicemail number that we're going to post on the Facebook page and leave us a message. Why did John Wayne Gacy name his persona Pogo the Clown? There's a reason why he named it Pogo. So tonight we are reading from the very excellent, very great, very insightful book, Killer Clown, the story of John Wayne Gacy. Killer Clown was written by 
Terry Sullivan, which was the prosecutor for the state's attorney. And he's the one that actually organizes whole bring down of this monster. All right. Interesting. Because this guy is a straight monster. I'm going to do a video review on the book for you guys because I think you guys will like that a lot. I want to start doing that. The story I just told you, Rob Peist, was the ultimate decline. There have been plenty of other kids. No, not only that, but because he was an all American boy, good family, not a runaway, not a screw up, and not a prostitute or a hustler, as this book calls it, looking for sex on the street doing drugs Mm -hmm. because he was taken from a loving family. That is the reason John Wayne Gacy got caught this kid right here. And if it wasn't for this kid, it's kind of morbid to say, but if he didn't get murdered, then John Wayne Gacy would most likely have many, many more victims. Mm. So we're going to be reading a lot from this book tonight is excellent. I love this book because it goes through the days. The first chapter is called December 11th, 1978. That's the story I just told you. Rob Pice at the Neeson Pharmacy. Then it goes to December 12th. And then it goes 20 more days after that until John Wayne Gacy is in handcuffs. Interesting. And it's very compelling because... And then it goes back? Yeah, and then it goes back. Well, then it goes to the trial and everything. But this kid, Rob Pice, is the reason the police were even looking into Gacy. I mean, because they knew nothing about all these other missing people. Uh. This is the kid that started the ball rolling to get him arrested. All right. PDM Contractors Corporation is registered at 8213 Somerdale Avenue, Northwood Park Township. Now, if you look it up online, that's actually John Wayne Gacy's home, or Mm. it was his home. It is now, that home was demolished and is now 8215 but it's the same, it's on the same plat of land. And I don't know how you feel about that, but would you buy a plat of land that investigators pulled 29 bodies out oh. of the basement? <laughs> um, that's a no. hard pass. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. I mean, it's good that they at least demolished it. And changed the address. I'm showing you pictures right now of the, this is house. the new house. Yeah, it's a new house. But this is where the house stood. It's basically built the same. And actually, there was a guy that commented on this picture. If you zoom in to the window right above the basement or right above the garage, you can see John Wayne Gacy sitting there. I couldn't see him, but. Wait, that's supposed to be the new house. Yeah. But they say is. Well, no, they didn't say John Wayne Gacy, but they they saw like a specter or whatever. I don't know. It's one of these like, yeah, haunted. PDM Contractors was registered there. So so here's how the story goes Rob Pice goes missing. The parents are in disarray. My son is not a runaway. And in fact, when they went to the police station to talk to like the youth manager or whatever they call him in charge of missing kids, he was convinced right away okay, this this is not a runaway. We need to get all the manpower on this right now. Yeah. And the first thing we need to do is figure out who this John Wayne Gacy dude is. Because that's very sketchy. Yeah, this last kid, person to see him alive. Exactly. Not necessarily last person to see him alive, but last person seen with him, I should say. That, so That can be confirmed. After Rob, yes. after Rob Pice goes missing, ironically, the last one missing and the last body found, he's not even in the basement. 
Okay, and when they oh. find him, I'll get to that. But when he goes missing, the police actually latch on to John Gacy and try to find out everything about this guy. The first thing they found out is that he had a prior felony. So this is his first arrest right here. Now, this is when he was with his first wife. John Wayne Gacy actually was married twice. John Wayne Gacy also oh. has two kids, but oh. good, good luck trying to find them because they literally disappeared after the wife divorced them. I don't even think the kids know their daddy is John Gacy, to oh. be honest. Maybe they do. Anyway, this is his first arrest. It was for sodomy. Now, this is when he was with his first wife. And then after this, it was with a teenage boy. He got. Wait, did he sodomize his wife? I'm confused. No, no he sodomized his boy. How is that just a crime of sodomy? Shouldn't it, was it actually, also be. It was actually rape went on for pedophilia? months. I mean, he told he threatened him if you don't go along with this for a few months, then I will expose you and, and hurt your family and all this stuff. Before I dive too deep into how he's getting his victims. Just know this, John Wayne Gacy is a contractor and he's very successful. Okay. At the time of his arrest, he was making 70 grand a year, which back, if, then. back then, which today comes up to roughly $283,193.40. Damn, Damn he making bank. So he's hiring a lot of people, but he's hiring kids that are 15, 16, 17 kids working after school hours, stuff like that to make a little more money. All right, so this boy, he was sodomizing. I just don't understand how that's not a higher charge. I he mean, got, there's sodomy, got, rape. There's um, well, he got put in prison for ten years, but he only served eighteen months. What? How does that make any sense? As soon as John Gacy got to prison for his sodomy charge, he became a model inmate. And in fact, since he's so good in the culinary arts, he became. The head of the mess hall. Well, I'm John Gacy. I'm from Waterloo, Iowa. And you're a man of some authority here. What, what is your title? Well, I'm first cook in the kitchen, and I run the, uh, the morning meal and the afternoon meal in the kitchen. John, how long have you been here? I've been here now a year and about two weeks. Why am I asking how long do you plan to take up residence here? Well, I hope to be getting out sometime in May. Well, good. Good. You're going to continue as a, as a cook, use that as a, as a profession? You right. Have? This is my profession before I came in. All right. Food service. The whole video is on talkmar.com. That's John Gacy. Now, I do want to say he said he was the first cook. He actually gave himself that title, first cook. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, too, when the interviewer said, you're a man of some authority, and he, like, had that wry smile that like gave him like his eyes lit up like he was so yeah huh John, I don't know yeah. if anyone else noticed no, that no I didn't John Good Gacy catch. has the gift of gab if you will he can certainly talk a lot I mean it's like okay great yeah. they're having some Christmas before, ham before this he was actually and after he was the precinct captain for the Democrats for the Democratic Party what well, a precinct captain for a Democratic Party. He was very big into politics, and like I said, he had the gift of gab. My dad always thought I was dumb and stupid, would never amount to anything. So anything that I, I got involved with, I always put 110% into it, because I figure if you're going to get involved in something, then, then do it right. So I was involved in politics, I was involved in community services, 
and even as young as, as 22, 23 years old, I was honored as Man of the Year in Springfield, Illinois, and I was involved in a lot of projects there. I moved to Waterloo, Iowa. I was honored as Man of the Year because besides working full-time, I also, you know, I was the chaplain for the JCs and also ran the membership campaign. We talked a little bit about the kid, Rob Peist. He's the one that got this ball rolling. We're going to talk a little bit about the police surveillance then we're going to talk about John Gacy as a businessman. Then we're going to visit the 8213 Summerdale Avenue, and we're going down into the crawl space. Oh, no. This episode is going to be very disturbing. Then we're also going to do survivor stories. There's the best oh. way I've learned to talk about a serial killer, their M.O., and how they would kill someone from the stories we've done so far, is to get the perspective of the survivors. Remember we talked about Ted Bundy? Yeah. Some of the survivors, they actually got hit in the head with the big-ass crowbar and survived, ran away or whatever. So we know that's his M.O. type of thing. So John Gacy has some survivors out there, and so we're going to be reading some of their stories. All right, now at the time of this arrest, the sodomy arrest, Mm -hmm. His first wife, Marilyn Myers, her father owned a series of Jen's favorite restaurant. Olive Garden? What? Who does I shit have. likes Olive Garden? I don't. I like Olive Garden. And no one loves Olive Garden. I Olive do. I have. KFC, Jen. Oh. Uh. I do like KFC, actually. All right. Her, I was thinking of chain restaurants and oh. Olive Garden. It's the first Maybe one that I came just to mind. Maybe fast food joint. Her father... John Gacy's wife, Marilyn Myers, owned a chain of KFC restaurants. So he made John, because he actually liked John. You're looking at him here. Well, you're looking at him here and you're like, ah, he's kind of a slob. But like I said, he had the gift of gab and he's a very ambitious guy. I mean, he owns all these companies now. He's making all his money. And when he did get successful, I would consider him wealthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's making good money. Yeah, exactly. So he was, he had some pretty good clout around town i mean he was at one point he was the executive chef for the chicago black hawk hockey team interesting in his house once police got into this house they noticed some with politicians big local business figures town mayors all kinds of stuff i mean he had a bunch of connections so how did he get from the food industry to plumbing well he's never been in plumbing Oh. He was a contractor, not a plumber. He actually wasn't a contractor like, oh, yeah, fix your roof. He did industrial buildings. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, office space, yeah. spaces, like, like buildings that like that. Like building we went by. Yeah, so he did spaces like that. He would go into these little stores, maybe the Harris Teeter, what we yeah. call TDs down here. He'd rearrange their setup. Stuff like that. Gotcha. You know, build shelvings, put up drywall, whatever. And a lot of times he would sub-hire that work out to other people he knows. And if that wasn't the case, he would hire these kids, 16, 15-year-old kids, male, of course, because that's what he liked. And that's how it would happen. So a lot of his victims were actually people that worked for him. Like I said, tonight we are reading from the book Killer Clown. I definitely recommend this. I know... We have one Talkus Primo Grace is a huge reader, and she always posts in the forum different books that she's reading and everything else. I think you'd really like this, Grace. It, it um, It's not slow, and it just 
is a page turner, you know. And I believe the police, from this book at least, did a really excellent job catching this guy. But if you want to read this, this is kind of a description of John Wayne Gacy. A heavyset man with a round face, Gacy, 36, was considerably overweight at 195 pounds and 5 feet 9 inches. His brown hair was graying at the temples and his knobby chin was well cushioned by sagging jowls. He wore a mustache. He was dressed in wash pants, an open collar shirt, a waist length black leather jacket. I think it's always interesting when you hear someone say wear a mustache. Yeah. What you do know, you mean? You just like have instead, one. instead of like have a mustache, he had a beard. He uh, he had a mustache, but oh, they yeah. say like so he wore, wore a, must- a beard. He wore Maybe a mustache. Maybe like talking to some about somebody is somebody's past. I don't know. Well, he can say he had a beard. I don't know. But like it's it's I feel like it's different than having a like wearing a shirt or yeah. a tie, you know what I mean? I do briefly want to get into his background, his history growing up. He's kind of a stocky man. He's weak. He's a weakling. Everyone knows that. And when he was growing up as a kid, he had all these heart issues and he was very sickly as a boy Mm. which is why he didn't really have any friends growing up and as we'll get into the next episode he had a very negative relationship with his father because his Mm. father you know was a world war one veteran it's like oh you gotta be a man type of thing and and john gacy wasn't right you know he wasn't playing football out there because he had a heart condition right and he he wasn't fixing cars he was open mom in the kitchen kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Rob Pice goes missing. Now they're focusing on John Gacy. They see a sodomy charge, and they get a approved surveillance to go on John ah. Gacy 24-7. Interesting. Now, at first, it was like a hidden surveillance, but that didn't work because think about it. This is Chicago in the snow and shit. And this is a guy that... There's, like, no one else driving cars around. Exactly. And John Gacy is always on the go. He's a workaholic. He's always... And if he's not going to work somewhere, like he was going to Neeson's Pharmacy to look at the shelves, he's going to a dinner with some local politician, or he's going to meet a future business partner, or he's got some friends going here. I mean, he's always going. He's like he never sleeps. Right. So... This surveillance followed him up until the day that he was caught. They would work 12-hour shifts. There was two detectives per shift. Now, the thing about John Gacy, as you'll see, is they lost him so many times because this guy drives like a fucking maniac. Huh. Okay? He has this big brown, a big black car with literally police spotlights on it, which will come into play. And he drove that damn thing through the snow and the horrible weather, 80 miles an hour going through a two-lane road in Chicago. Now, my question is, did he normally drive like that or did he know he was under surveillance? He normally drives like that, but when he got under surveillance, think about it this way. You are a successful businessman, okay? You got all these clients and future clients and local politicians that you know and everything else. So you go out to dinner— and then there's these two guys in suits following you around everywhere. At first, he was like, oh, don't worry about them. They're my bodyguards. He was saying the police, you know, telling them they were his bodyguards and stuff like that. But he would go to all these establishments and the cops would always be there. These two cops following him everywhere he goes. 
he would drive crazy through the snow oh. and everything, losing these detectives all the time. But he was he actually became really close with them. He would every time they would go to a oh, restaurant, geez. they would sit with them and he'd buy like a round that's beers. weird. Yeah, it's really weird. That's it, really inappropriate, actually, the police officers. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. It is very inappropriate. Well, maybe. I mean, because... It is. No, because I, I don't think that way, because they were also trying to get insider information, and you can't do that unless you're... If it was under the pretext that they were willing to do that to get more information, then okay, Yeah, great. that's what they were doing. Well, plus they were working 12-hour shifts and following this guy. I don't know. So he also had a few lawyers that worked for him at the time, and they actually got sick of these police following him everywhere because they were really ruining his business. He would go out to meet clients and everything and have these cops. So sad. So sad for him. Ruining his business. Oh, you're being sarcastic. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, I mean, they couldn't prove he did anything wrong at first. No. His lawyers actually tried to put an injunction to stop the police surveillance, but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So eventually they actually filed a harassment complaint worth $750,000, which they were seeking from the police department because these guys were following him everywhere. At night when he goes inside, he would they'd sit out in his driveway just watching him. 24-hour surveillance on this guy. And he wasn't charged with anything yet. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't charged with murder. He wasn't charged with anything. All they knew is he had a sodomy charge back in the day. And he was the last person to see Rob Peist. So I can see why the lawyers pursued this. Because they were really ruining his business. Because you go meet clients and you got all these cops following you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It looks, it looks like you're, you know. I don't know why you guys are following me, he continued, shrugging his heavy shoulders. I'm a clown, a registered clown by trade. I work with kids. I go to hospitals to entertain them. You guys are barking up the wrong tree. Gacy did most of the talking. His monologue turned to his bad health, how his difficult, strenuous physical activity was for him and his bad heart, as if to say he couldn't harm anyone if he tried. Jesus, the contractor said, I even have leukemia. I only have four more years to live. He actually didn't have leukemia. He was just lying. But eventually they get a search warrant to go inside John's house. Now, here's the thing about John Gacy. He's already invited the detectives in once or twice, had beers and everything else with him. Okay. Now, keep in mind, there's bodies under the basement in the crawl space of John's house. So the audacity to invite two detectives into his house to bullshit is ballsy. Yeah. Okay. Very. They eventually get a search warrant and they search his house and they find some very interesting stuff that tells a lot more about John Gacy, which we'll read here in a second. But they did find a lot of IDs, driver's licenses from kids. Really? Oh. They also. Oh, they must have just left were them behind they his in the trophies. Truck. Yeah. Maybe. Oh. They also found a. Main West High School ring that had the initials J-A-S. Cooper finally admitted that Gacy had offered him a ride. They drove a while sharing a joint of marijuana and ended up at Gacy's house. There, Cooper said, Gacy offered him money if he would let Gary blow him. Cooper consented. Afterwards, Cooper took a shower. Then Gacy drove him home. I know where you live now, Gacy had remarked on the way home. 
Cooper assumed that Gacy had gone through his wallet while he was in the shower. Gacy apparently had taken Cooper's learning permit, and the youth had not reported it missing because he was about to get his permanent license. Huh. So even though he was not a, this kid was not a victim, he still took it. Yeah. So it might be less about, like, the murder trophy, but more about sexual, like, achievement. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, he had to, like, a lot document. of licenses in there. Now, I... More than bodies? I was thinking, all right, this is a reason enough to lock the guy up, but they didn't yet. This whole time, this story, they're, they're in a race because the attorneys are about to file this harassment suit. And that will seriously stop dead in the tracks everything. And they could lose Gacy. You mean harassment over this kid? No, harassment no. over them following him and oh. ruining his business. Gotcha. You know, following him 24-7 and stuff like that. Because the media sees that. You know what I'm saying? They, right. These news media people that get all these leads, they have police scanners and stuff like that. They know that this guy is being followed. And then they can put it together. Okay, there's a missing kid. You know, they can start forming their own picture, which is what happened. Exactly what happened. So that gets out that John Gacy is probably the killer before they even charge him with murder. And they don't want that to happen because if he's not, then that ain't good. They can get sued. The police mm-hmm. department. So they got it the whole time. They're pursuing this very cautiously, but very quickly. That's why I love the book, because it's day by day. And there's a lot that happens each day. I mean, these detectives didn't sleep for literally two weeks because they knew Time was running out, and as soon as that harassment suit was actually filed with the judge, they'd be fucked. They had to get him charged of murder quick. But in order to do that, they had to find the body. They couldn't charge someone with murder without finding a body. Right. That's why they had the search warrant issued that one time, and all they found in the house was the IDs and Mm -hmm. the class ring and stuff like that, you know. That's when they went back and started putting it together. Okay, well, Rob's body wasn't in there, but you got all these licenses and rings. Let's try to match the Mm. victims with that. See if they're missing persons. Exactly. They were trying to actually charge them with murder, and they can't yet. And it was so the whole case is like a race against time kind of thing. Mm. They got to charge them before because they they were really harassing them. You know, you think about getting followed twenty four seven. You're a businessman. You're meeting all these clients, like, in and out all day. It's not a good look. Yeah, I, I hear you. Here, Jen, since I'm so nice tonight, you can read this. This is some of the stuff they found in John Gacy's home. On the pull-down stairway to the attic, Olson noticed fresh splotches of spray paint, like a red primer on some of the treads. He tried to see if the paint was covering darker stains, but he couldn't tell. In the attic, under some insulation, officers found police badges and an 18-inch rubber dildo. Oh, <laughs> 18? What? Now that's a big one. <laughs> Elsewhere in the house, <laughs> the searchers <laughs> found a hypodermic syringe, a small brown bottle, a plastic card holder that had a reverse image of a library card on one sleeve, various items of clothing obviously too small for Gacy, and more books. Tight teenagers, heads and tails, <laughs> pederasty, sex between men and boys, the rights of gay people, the great white swallow. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 21 abnormal sex cases. Uh. <laughs> Gacy also had several dozen other books, mostly text and self-help titles. Some of the some of these had been checked out from the library of the Iowa Men's Reformatory at Anamosa. Wow. You know, there's this this guy that I saw on something, not porn, obviously, 
But he's got such a big wiener that when he gets an erection, he passes out because all the blood goes to his wiener. And, like, he has no blood in his brain. Isn't that crazy? I think his name was, like, Long Dong Silver or something. I don't know. Something weird. So he wasn't That doesn't sound made up at all. (laughs) Uh, You got Rob Pice missing. The last place they're going to look is in someone's home. Who stuffs right, a body? Who, who dumps bodies within their own house? Exactly. So they're trying to look at construction sites that he visits. That's why they're following him so closely. Right. Right. They're, they're trying they're to. looking for a burial ground. Exactly. And in fact, when he came in the first day before he had the surveillance, he had mud on his shoes. So they were trying to figure out where he was to get the mud on his shoes because that's where he probably dumped the body. That was the day after Rob Pice went miss, missing. The last place they would think is this dude's got 30-something bodies buried in his crawl space. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no one does that. Yeah, I I would (laughs) say it's not very common. There there were some detectives that started getting wind, if you will, of the bodies might be here. This is um, one of the— How does that rumor start? Well, one of the police dogs, this is from the book. I got a chill down my spine when she, the police dog, the German shepherd approached Gacy's black Oldsmobile, the car he drove with the spotlights and everything. I got a chill down my spine when she got in the passenger side and laid down on the seat. That, according to her handler, was the, quote, death reaction and clear confirmation that John Gacy's car had been used to transport the body of Robert Peist. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. That's kind of cool, the death reaction. Oh, that's reaction. so fucking creepy. Isn't that creepy as That hell? is so creepy. Oh, dear. That is quite I thought it was kind of cool, the death reaction. This is also from the book. This kind of explains, because obviously he's killing, John Gacy's killing males, teenage males. Okay. When he's growing up, and we're going to get to the psychology in the next episode, of this, but he gets really pissed if people think of him as homosexual. He's a very pious man, religious as hell. Seriously, there's a lot of Bible verses in here that he'll read. He thinks homosexuality is a sin, uh, which mm-hmm. plays into some of the fucked up psychology behind John Gacy, which we're going to explore deeply next episode. But if you want to read this, this is kind of his words on his sexual sexual preference. By this time, he was quite open about his sexual preference. One night in a tavern, a distraught Gacy had said, I feel myself slipping the other way, and I can't do anything about it. He pointed out to her the sort of young blonde men with a certain shape of a rear end that sexually aroused him. Later, they went to bed, and despite all her efforts, she was unable to arouse him. I'm sorry, he kept. He told her, crying. I thought I had a chance, but I don't. You should go for help, she said. No, it's too late for that, he said. She was sorry she couldn't help John. She still had feelings for him because he had been a very good father to his daughters. Yeah, so he ain't like Pee Wee Gaskins that go anyway with new meat. Quote Pee Wee Gaskins, I got... Shit on my dick and blood on my shank. Less than two years after he married his wife, Gacy announced to her, this was actually on Mother's Day, that that occasion on that Mother's Day would be the last time they ever have sex. Because... Oh, that's nice. 
because he was turning more homosexual, and that was the last time they're ever going to have sex. Also, his wife started finding her bikini underpants in the garage where he used them to like masturbate himself, I guess. All right, who wants to read? Jen? This is more about what they found in the attic. <laughs> they found wallets and IDs as well as personal jewelry and pieces of plywood that appeared to be stained with blood. Couts uncovered more IDs in the attic. In the recreation room, Tovar found an object no one wanted to examine too closely. A foot-long vibrator <laughs> encrusted with fecal matter. Oh, God. Oh, oh Jesus. Jen, sorry, I didn't even know that was in there. I just... <laughs> oh, my God. That's so gross. Oh, Jen, I'm messing with you. <laughs> All right, so can you kind of start to see the the picture emerging from this guy? Yeah, I'm seeing a real nice picture. Thanks. He starts turning more homosexual. He's been bisexual forever. Very harsh childhood growing up with his father. I'm going to get into that next episode. But he's got all these heart problems and everything else. He's married once, gets a sodomy charge, wife leaves him, life's crumbling down. He manages to get married again. He gets married again, yeah. Yeah, Carol Hoff was his second wife. Now, let's get into what everyone wants to hear about, the crawl space. All right. Now, the whole time the detectives were following 24-7, he's driving like a fucking maniac. He actually starts to get to like some of the detectives. They're coming in the house, you know, chilling with them, drinking, stuff like that. Just being buddy-buddy type of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how it is if you're followed 24-7. Eventually, you just say, fuck it. But anyway, the main thing about this search, I think... The main thing about the surveillance, which I think is super important to know, the surveillance, the 24-hour surveillance put a lot of pressure on him, a lot, and he started to crack. Eventually, he cracked wide open. He actually confessed to all the murders before they even searched his house. The, The pressure of the surveillance and knowing he's about to get caught was too much for him. And he finally cracked open, which is what they I, wanted. It didn't even take them that much. I mean, I mean, it took two weeks, and it's that's it. Well, I mean, it, if you read well, the book, it goes through like I mean, yeah. these are all day affairs. I mean, they were trying to connect them with all these missing kids, you know. And the thing about they it, did they did see the IDs, yeah, already, and so they, they had a good lead. They connected at least four of these kids that worked directly for Gacy. So these kids, these 15-year-old kids that work for Gacy, some of their jobs, including digging in the basement. So these kids were actually digging their own graves, which oh is really fucked. Gosh. And at one point, they were actually Holy putting... Holy shit. Asked if he'd ever been in the crawl space, Walsh, which was a guy he worked for but survived, Walsh said he had gone down there with Gacy about... Gacy to spread about 10 bags of lime in the summer of 1977. The sump pump was not working right, and the whole house smelled. Other kids, kids that he would employ, his job would be like, this, you know, I need you to go dig these trenches in the basement because I'm trying to fix this drainage problem here. And so they would dig these trenches, and then they would go in the trenches. 
And then he would rape them and kill them? The, no, he no. would do that before. But these kids were digging their own grave. Because Gacy said there was too much moisture down there, he and he had to have pipes laid, Gray said. Gacy put up stakes to mark where they were to dig, then sent Gray and Walsh down. Show me where you're digging, Badeau said, hanging Gray a pad and pencil. Gray drew a diagram locating the stump pump the sump pump and trenches he had dug. At one point, Gacy had stuck his head down the trap door and started yelling to Gray. Don't go over there, he shouted. You go straight where I told you. Gray had started to take a shortcut and had veered from the line that Gacy had indicated. I looked at Gray's drawing. If Gacy had groundwater problems, two or three trenches that Gray had dug made no sense because they obviously wouldn't drain into the sump. I had asked Gray how wide he had made the trenches for the tiles, six or eight inches. No, Gray said, a foot and a half, two feet. How deep were they? A foot and a half, two feet. Did Gray ever lay any pipe? He hadn't. Didn't he know what Gacy did in the trenches? He didn't. What if they were, were there when you were digging and you veered off, Badeau asked. Just some dirt piled up, Gray said. It was mound about six inches high, he guessed. In the crawl space, John Gacy had a sump pump. Now, a sump pump basically takes the water, the standing water, out of the basement. The bodies, 29 bodies to be 29. specific, 29 bodies were found, were actually pulled out. I mean, not like, the thing is, these investigators don't pull out, oh, here's a full skeleton. No, the first thing they pulled out was a knee bone. A oh, knee bone. Like a patella? Like the like the round one? Yeah. The knee bone was the first thing to pull out. Now you have 29 bodies in a room that's smaller than this. All and but they're on top of each Cause, other. Because the it's it's in it's they're not really in the basement. They're in this little kind of I'm trying to like picture what it looks like yeah. in my head. So the bodies oh, are like yeah. beneath okay. the basement. Yeah. Gotcha. So an interesting thing about this case is when they finally understood there's probably bodies buried under the basement, they had to figure out how to do this without destroying the house. At one point, they were thinking about lifting the house up with these jacks that lift the house up so they can get there. Uh Eventually, they just decided to take the entire floor out. Yeah. Now, the thing about this, I want you guys, as you listen to us, as you listen to me telling you about this crawl space, is try to put yourself in the mind of the detective or the, what they like to call, because they were joking, you know, I guess if you're digging out bodies for weeks, you kind of get a morbid sense of humor. But they were called, they were calling themselves the body snatchers. So think about these guys. It's hot as shit down there in this enclosed area you have this water that has been standing there oh no oh with 29 bodies that have decomposed now they were pulling out skeletons they were is that in that picture is that a is that a skull or is that or is that a like a pipe it is hard like i'm surprised that that looks like john John c C. riley yeah i noticed that earlier (laughs) oh that's definitely a head that's a head so they took out his entire floor. Put yourself in the mind of an investigator sitting or, in there. Or maybe there's no basement and this is just the, it's underneath the Yeah, it's the, the crawl floor. space under the house. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And so it's not underneath, there's no basement. It's just underneath the floor. It's the crawl space, but I don't really know what that is. We don't have those here. Correct. We're on a slab. Yeah. But. So it's like if your house is, there's space between the floor and the ground. 
that you can crawl underneath the house to get to like the plumbing and stuff. My dad yeah. used to have to go into the crawl space at our cottage in New Hampshire to fix yes. the plumbing all the time because the cr- the pipes will always crack in the winter time. So he'd always have to fix it. So this is something similar to that. So I know. Yes. I also have a very rare footage of the crawl sp- the entire house being excavated with the bodies. Oh. I'm putting it on talk murder. The quality is really shitty because the tape, I don't know if you, maybe you young guys don't, won't know this, but these uh, things called VHS tapes, they had to be copied one by one so the quality degrades. But it's on talk murder for you guys. Let's put ourselves in the mindset of these detectives pulling out these bodies. A kind of interesting fact about uh, these body snatchers, if you will. They were making morbid jokes. Of course, you're pulling out femurs and neck bones and rib cages. I mean, you got to kind of have a sense of humor about it. They started this thing called the ghoul pull, which they were trying to guess how many bodies they were going to unearth. I mean, I I (laughs) guess that's... And they were all low. Sounds like something we would do. And in fact, they actually went and got... uh, They had teams for the ghoul pull. And like, if you guess maybe seven or eight, because they were all so low, they thought it'd be like four or five. They actually got T-shirts made, and they would wear these T-shirts in there as a ghoul pool, and then their number their on the guess. back. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. I mean, sounds like something we would do. He slithered on his stomach over a black drain pipe from the bathroom and moved to a spot in the southwest corner where the ground was wet and spongy. He pulled up his boots all the way, then shined the light on several puddles still remaining. The two smaller ones were of clear water. A third contained a reddish-purple liquid in which hundreds, maybe thousands of hair-like red worms a couple, of, a couple inches long were <laughs> fibrillating like creatures in a tidal pool. When he shined the light on the puddle, the worms were quickly withdrew into the mud. Genty knelt down, propped the light at his side, and stuck his ent- entrenching tool into the ground. After two shovelfuls, he saw whitish bits of a soap-like material floating up to the surface of the murky water. Ugh. He recognized this as... Ad- adipocere flesh, body tissue that had chemically changed into an almost lard-like substance from being immersed in water. He called Bedeker over as a witness. Are they? So did Gacy purposefully flood the bait? Yeah, yes. space. Okay. Yeah, because it keeps the it keeps the smell down when they're underwater. All right, here's what happened. They started noticing this, like. The more recent bodies that they found came up that, you know, still had an abdomen, uh-huh. if you will, because most of them were bones. Right. Because the skin melts off. All those worm-like creatures. I mean, there were thousands of worm creatures. You're out there, you're digging in this reddish, purplish gook that has bubbles coming up that's obviously got 29 people's flesh in it. Thousands of worms slithering everywhere. I mean, put yourself in the mind of these detectives. When the bodies actually come up that weren't fully decomposed, if they still had their abdomen and, like, some of their skin left on their body, what happens is as soon as they get unsubmerged, they start to bloat like normal dead people do. They bloat. But they bloat really quickly. Uh Uh-oh. Do they explode? Almost. They started having to take a knife and stab it into the abdomen to relieve release the pressure so now you got all this body 
decomposition gas going up in your face. Ugh. Can you imagine being a detective? You're in this Ugh. enclosed, tight space. You're crawling around on your stomach because you can't walk anywhere. It's too tight. And there's all these maggots and worms and all kinds of stuff, and there's, like, purplish goo. Can you fucking imagine what these guys... <laughs> these guys probably have PTSD still from this shit. <laughs> like, oh. That is that is the terrible part of the job, I guess. Yeah. It's got to be fucking awful. And it's not like you're pulling out skeletons that are full. And one of the interesting things I learned is the teeth are like the first thing to fall out because your teeth are just held on by muscle tissue in your gums. Right. And as soon as that decays, your teeth fall out. So if every other bone is like that, you're... You're pulling up one bone at a time, and the skin that you are pulling, like, let's say you pull up a hand that still has skin on it, it's so... It's, like, melty. L- melty, it just pulls right off, oh, you know? like a cooked chicken. So is Gacy helping them locate yeah. stuff? Yeah, so eventually, eventually he did confess to everything. Right. This was around the time they were actually got the second search warrant. And going through his house anyway. But yeah, he did confess. So he did actually draw a map that I'm putting on Talk Murder, a little diagram from his crawl space that showed where each body was buried. Now, he didn't know how many were down there. This was over a two-year period. He had no idea. When, uh, when the detective asked Gacy, how many bodies are in the crawl space? Gacy shook his head and said, I'm not sure. And I will tell you, the last five victims or so were not buried in the crawl space. One was buried under the garage, and the other ones were just thrown off the bridge because there was no room in the crawl space anymore. Wow. You know? It's time to get a bigger house, dude. Um, You can afford it. The big house. It was a bone, seemingly from an upper arm, which his shovel had hooked at the elbow. Some hair strands had caught on the tool. When he first brought up the bone, its remaining body tissue was pinkish. A moment after it was exposed to the air, it turned gray. Ugh. Can you imagine just the... I just can't it imagine It reminds me of that guy being... from Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. The Crypt Keeper? Yeah, the Crypt Keeper. He's all gray. His like, skin's all wrinkly and shit. Uh, yeah. Whenever I think of that, though, I think of... Freaky Friday, when Jamie Lee Curtis, well, who is technically Lindsay Lohan's character after they did have the switch, and she's like, oh, I'm like the Crypt Keeper. The crawl space, I mean, obviously it was a media storm. Now, this was the same time the uh, Jonas's cult. I haven't done that case yet, so I'm not really sure. The Jonas's cult? The Jones? The Jones cult? Jonesville? Jones, uh, Jonestown cult. Jonestown. Yeah, when, uh, some, somewhere in South America. This yeah, was at the, the same time. Yeah, so the same the, the same time that was going on, like a week after. So this was also big news because the media thought, oh, my God, this guy's probably got four or five bodies buried under here. Then they eventually pulled out 29, 29 bodies. And it wasn't like they're just buried and there. And that's they, just in the crawl space. Exactly. So anyway, we're going to stop there because it's getting kind of late, but. In the next episode, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to be venturing into Gacy's clown room. We're going to talk about his clowning. Oh, no. Because clowning is... <laughs> that literally sounds like something out of your nightmares, Nicole. <laughs> the clown room. Uh, we're going to be cl- talking a lot about clowning. Oh, no. 
Which brings me to my challenge, our taco challenge tonight. And if you think you know the answer, you can call the voicemail. Nicole's going to post it on the Facebook. It is, why did John Wayne Gacy decide to name one of his clown aliases Pogo the Clown? You might have to do some digging, and I'm really interested to see. And if you don't know, and you just want to take a, a stab at it, if you will, just call us anyway, and we'll put you on the air. So we're going to be venturing into Gacy's clown room. He had his own room dedicated to clowns. He called it clowning. I didn't know that was a verb. Clowning around. Yeah. We're also going to be talking about the psychology of both the killings of how he killed them. Because he didn't kill anyone. They killed themselves. What? Yeah. We're going to be getting into that. Also, the relationship with his father. One of the last requests he had before he got locked up was to go see his father's grave one more time. Very toxic relationship with his father. We're also going to be talking about Jack Hanley. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. Many times when, for instance, when John Gacy drew the map of the crawl space, oh, dig here, dig here, dig here, dig here. Two minutes later, he comes to and says, oh, what, what is that? Jack must have drew that. Oh. the alternate personality of John Gacy, Jack the Hanley. ID. What? Dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, and I'm also going to take you step by step of how the killer clown finds and claims his victims. So was his kill was the clown his al- alter alter ego or whatever? No, so it wasn't his alter ego, but I know that's not the right word. He did have it's funny because John Wayne Gacy had an alter ego named Jack Hanley yeah. that was supposedly doing all the killings. That is, that is the right term. They call the different personalities alters. Okay. Yeah. As far as the killings concerned, there are two ways that he did it. One of them goes along with the clowning. Okay. He's got the handcuff trick and also the rope trick. Oh, my God. This is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> so we're going to be clowning around next week talking a lot about clowns. Clown, 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 clown. Oh. Clowns, clowns in your dreams. Dream about clowns. <laughs> insane clown posse. <laughs> yes. We're going to be listening to the insane clown posse. Oh, you know what's funny? I saw an article that said, um, you know how they do all that facial recognition software yes. nowadays? The article was a very in-depth research article that said the best way to avoid the the facial recognition software and what the stores are putting out is to wear the makeup from the insane clown bossies because <laughs> it can't, it, it can't detect their makeup, huh. you know, the gigolo makeup. Or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, questions about this episode? No, I'm very excited for the next one though. Yeah. But that's all I have for tonight. Uh, we're running out of time. I cannot wait to do the second episode. It's going to be very gruesome. I hope you guys can sleep well tonight. I didn't want to throw the clowns in there too much tonight. But we will in the next episode, so here's your warning. If you really enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our clown, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you may do. I'll research it. Dedicated to you on the Talk More to Me podcast. My name is John. Here with Jen and Nicole. Until next time. Is this happen?
to coincide the fact that we got a new sink faucet. Oh, maybe. No, but Nicole broke the sink yeah. faucet. And I... <laughs> What he was, you were so mad last night, though. You were like, What the fuck did you do? Like, the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> <laughs> because I was fixing it, and a drop of water hit my eyeball like my retina, and it that set me the fuck off. I just went off. I know, but you're like, <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> wow, and I didn't I'm, call you the Hulk. I said, <laughs> I said, Who broke this Hulk Hogan? <laughs> No, you said the Incredible Oh, whatever. Well, all I know is that Nicole texted me last night, and she goes, kitchen sink is out of, out of, um... Out of order. Out of order for a little while. I said, oh, shit, where am I going to bathe? And you were like, it's just a kitchen sink. And I was like, why don't people get my jokes? Well, I thought, I thought at first you were joking, but then I was like, oh, maybe she was... I was going to once you... Because you sent me a text five minutes after Nicole did in the talk murder thread that was like, sorry, Jen, the kitchen sink's out of order. And I couldn't make the same joke because I had already sent it to Nicole. You can't tell the same joke True. twice. I was worried that you thought like all the water was off. No. I thought you misread my no, text. No, no. But I half thought you were joking, half thought you misread it. But you didn't but even But it was good. You didn't even laugh. You I did. Oh well, I meant no, you to. Didn't, but John was, I was there the whole time. John you didn't was laugh pretty once. pissed. John was not happy last night at that point in time when we not were a happy camper. Home Depot had closed. Not, not a happy glamper. Bye, buddy. I hope I you find, find your dad. dad. 